This podcast is for adults only. Content covers BDSM, kink, fetish, and adult sexuality. This type of content may be triggering for some, and we urge you to put your mental health first when considering if it's suitable for you. All activities discussed on this podcast are between enthusiastically consenting adults. BDSM and kink activities carry safety risks, and we do not endorse activities mentioned on this podcast as right for your personal circumstances. We recommend self-education and engagement with community as appropriate ways to begin your real-world kink journey after you finish listening to this podcast. This is your extreme cheesiness warning. We are very cheesy people, and if you're not comfortable with that, this podcast is not for you. Hey, Oz, what do you call cheese that doesn't belong to you? What? Nacho cheese. Welcome to Help I Think I'm Kinky. I'm Oz. And I'm Prez. We're Australian lifestyle kinksters and along with our kinky friends, we're here to help you get started on your kinky journey. In this first season of Help I Think I'm Kinky, our goal is to promote kink-aware inspiration, education and origination. Is that even a word? I'll just go with me on this. Just trust me. Trust me. It fits in with the episode. (laughs) So the reason we created this podcast is because we want to share a variety of perspectives and voices from the kink world and give you an insight into some of the conversations that happen behind closed doors. What we hope you take out of it is discussion points, reflection, support on your journey, some laughs and a feeling of community. So first up, a little about who are we? Well, so I'm Oz. I identify as he, him, for those who are interested. Uh, we've been uh, actively uh, involved in the local scene here for over three and a half years. And so um, I guess my identification is really as a kinkster who is always open to learning. Uh, and within that, I identify mostly as a dominant, as a sadist as a daddy dom, and much, much more. But I'm sure we'll get into that as we uh, take this journey together. Um, I have a passion for education outside in the vanilla world, and I really enjoy bringing some of these skills into the kink arena and looking forward to seeing where that goes. What about you, Prez? I go by she, her. Like Oz, I'm a long-time kinkster who got out into the local public scene three and a half years ago. I identify as a submissive. I love power exchange and exploring sensation-rich experiences. Yes, pain is a sensation. And I especially love many forms of bondage and impact play. I'm currently a dog mum, a student, and an occasional kink educator. Okay, that sound means that we're ready to take this journey together. So, where are we taking our intrepid kinksters today, Prez? All aboard! We are taking them to meet some friends of ours, fellow kinky travellers who will be joining us for our journey this season. We'll let them introduce themselves and then... Do you love an origin story, Oz? Like every Marvel franchise, I love a good origin story. 
Well, we are going to hear from all of them about how they began to develop their own kinky superpowers. And towards the end, there will be an opportunity for our kinky listeners to reveal their own kinky superhero to the world. But more about that later. So, first stop for us today, let's meet our fellow kinky travellers. My name is Pretty Please. My name is Rose. I use the pronouns she and her. I'm Man. I'm he, him. I'm 31. My job is basically maths and spreadsheets. That's as much info as I'll give. Um, I am... 32 and I work in healthcare. I am 22 and my occupation is a student with way too many part-time jobs. Hi, I am Kitty. Uh, my pronouns are she, uh, her. Nancy Lixit, she, her, 38, creator of Smart. Hi, I am Sen and I am Susan Death XO on FetLife. My pronouns are she and her. I'm in my late 20s and I am a full-time student. I'm 29 years old and I work as a nurse. Um, I comfortably go by uh, a bottom-leaning switch. Um, So my main kinks are uh, impact play, but that's more specifically I'm very masochistic um, and I also enjoy... Rope bottoming and primal play. They would probably be my main kinks. Uh, the label I would use would be bratty submissive. I switch very occasionally with my partner um, as he's a submissive switch. And cut queen. So uh, my personal kinks and fetishes would be power exchange. I love feeling out of control and helpless. I have like a, a very busy family life and I'm in control a lot of the time, as much as you can be with family. Um, and yeah, feeling feeling like just going into submission really puts me in like a, a meditative state uh, and space. Um, I love, yeah, I love that feeling of feeling owned as well. Um, other kinks would be impact play. Uh, I tend to take pain to please and really enjoy pleasing my top in that way. Um, and consensual non-consent play. So this will fall under the, like just feeling the feelings of helplessness. Um, it's not just about the physical component for me. It's very mental, uh, I like it when the person I'm playing with can take me to a place where I genuinely don't want the person I'm with to touch me. Um, this can put me in a really nonverbal space and a very a very calm state for me to be in. Um, the other kinks would be cut queen dynamics. Just the idea of watching my partner please other women is something that's really exciting to me. I identify as a dom, depending on what I'm doing. I could label me as a top for some people, but ideally I'd want a dom-sub relationship, so that's what I identify as. Um, but on the hypnokink question, it's essentially it is using hypnosis for silly, fun, or I guess lewd purposes, or just anything that's not like therapeutic hypnosis. It's just like, okay, let's just try stuff one-on-one with people and just however it works out, it works out. Like, I guess the analogy I would use is stage hypnosis for people familiar with that, except 
one-on-one and more focused on creating like cool headspaces and experiences rather than like embarrassment? I definitely am very much into exhibitionism. Uh, for anyone that has seen my FET profile, which is Absolute Fancy Tits. Um, uh, there's so many photos of me in lingerie and me naked and me in high heel boots and just me. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely like, you know, flaunting my stuff and being watched. I also do quite like watching others, though. That's very fun. Um, yeah, that's probably the main one. And then, like, uh, I do quite like self-tying. Um, recently got into self-suspension, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're my main ones. <laughs> the kink label that I'm comfortable with is um, submissive. Um, I think my primary kink is engaging in power exchange masochism, which pretty much involves like submitting to my dominant and he like inflicting pain upon me. And the thing that I enjoy the most is um, barehanded over the knee spanking. I find it really like passionate and sensual. Um, yeah, that's just something that I really enjoy. I mean, I have many kink labels that I'm very comfortable with. I'd probably say I was a dominant femme. Um, I would call myself a mistress. I call myself a domina. Um, I am a mummy. Sometimes I'm a daddy if that's what it needs. And yeah, I think domina is probably my favorite term because I think it just kind of overall for me looks over um, being a dominant femme and finding whatever label the submissive needs to call you to fit into that. I mean, I'm a sadist of all of the types. I mean, currently I'm really kind of exploring the emotional and mental sadist, which is... I mean, it's far more difficult than I thought it would be coming from, like, I first kind of started out in more of a physical, sadist kind of place. And I find that much easier to work with, um, which is probably why I'm currently enjoying the emotional and mental sadist side. (laughs) So for me, I would say, like, if um, I'm playing a physical sadist game, we're doing impact play or knife play or you know, something where it's physically felt versus if I'm playing an emotional or mental saddest game, I'm playing a game where I'm calling your names, I'm talking down to you, and I'm basically making you feel the pain in an emotional or mental kind of way. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. So, Oz, what did you learn from our kinky companions? Wow. Well, when I listened to that the thing that stands out to me straight away is how self-aware these people are. Mm. These are very self-aware kinksters that we're talking to. Uh, They know a lot about what they like, how they want to be played with, how they want to play with others. Uh, Definitely there's a sense that they've had the opportunity to think about this a lot and probably to talk about it a lot with others as well as they work out what really turns them on or what, what it is that really excites them. Yeah, for for a small group, there is a diverse range of interests there. And I was really noticing that there's a lot of terminology that if you're new, 
might not be things that you would understand. And I would just encourage anyone who's listening and is uncertain about what some of those words mean to Google them. There's plenty of information on the internet. There are great books um, and FetLife has a glossary. Some of the words that I was listing as I was listening to that was dominant, submissive, sadist, masochist, hypnokink, top, bottom, switch, primal, cuck queen, consensual, non-consent, exhibitionist. You know, there's a lot in there and I don't think these people learned about these things overnight. This is a gradual development of their own understanding about themselves and finding some words to put to the things that they feel and that they like. Yeah, it it definitely sounds like it hasn't just emerged overnight that there's been some sort of exploration in order to discover what what it is that uh, you know what what aspects are really exciting to to who who these people are, and uh, you can really hear that. Um, even though they're really confident in articulating what it is that they like, that these are really personal and vulnerable aspects of their mm. own sexuality and that's something not to be taken lightly. Yeah, I agree. It's really very, very generous of them to share so openly. Yeah. Um, yes, I have, a, I have a very big place in my heart for all of these people. I will also say how much I noticed the sense of fun in everything that they were saying. Did you pick up on that Absolutely. too? Absolutely. Lots of fun. The words play come up again and again. I, I know that there was a mention about games and, and enjoyment. Uh, it definitely comes through in what they were saying. Mm. And often people confuse BDSM with abuse. And I think listening to these voices t- talking about the things that they like, there's a very clear understanding that these people – are not feeling that they're abusing or being abused. This is about um, doing things consensually that all the parties are interested in, whereas abuse obviously is where things are being done that are not consensual and are not enjoyable. Absolutely. That, that, that idea about fun and play is really integral to the whole thing. This is a play space for grown-ups, mm. as we might describe it sometimes you know, in, in conversations that we have together. This is about creating a space that is safe, for everybody that is uh, emotionally, psychologically safe to play in these ways together. Yeah, so we we have our own rules for play, don't we, Oz? We do have our own rules for play. And uh, we might even put a photo of that on our social media accounts later in terms of uh, what those rules actually are. But essentially it comes down to it has to be fun for everybody. And uh, the, I think that that really does get down to the... Um, to the heart of what we are trying to do, which is to have fun and to enjoy the connection that we share with each other and anyone else that comes into that space too. Mm. And while we asked people what labels they would currently apply to themselves, I think it's really important to note that you don't actually have to have a label um, because choosing a label can make you feel limited in the things that you that you try or you think you know, the role that you take. So I'm aware that even in the short time since we did these interviews, people have changed in their interests. You know, interests can be fluid. So this is a moment in time. And I think if we can take one thing from all of these people, it's that we don't need to be fixed in our kinks. We can continue exploring. So before we get into our friend's origin stories, Oz, I'd like to know, how did you know you were kinky? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. Well, apart from the fact that it was on the script, but I knew that this would come up. Look, I had known that I was kinky for some time. Um, I think in my situation, though, however, there was a lot of guilt and shame around it. Uh, It was not something that I was really felt like I could talk about with others. 
which meant that it was a hidden part of who I was and a hidden part of my sexuality. And I didn't really have language around it. I didn't know uh, where I fitted in that. I wasn't really able to fully explore or embrace this aspect of who I was. I know that um, I was thinking about these things late in my teenage years, but never really understood what it meant for me or how I could really explore it in a safe and supported way. I knew that I was interested in spanking and impact play, but I had no real experience to draw upon in order to to understand this properly. Uh, Over time, I developed feelings that I knew that I connected to some kind of dominant submissive power exchange, even if I didn't know what those words meant at the time, and that those my interests really lay in things like role play, uh, coming up with scenarios and, and playing a game, uh, rope bondage, for example. Um, I also had a real visceral, visceral aversion to being dominated, to being controlled in the bedroom, uh, like it was a really physical reaction that I had. So that was definitely telling me something that I really needed to understand this aspect of myself further. And when my uh, previous relationship ended, I found that as I started to connect with other people in different ways, that the intimate relationships that I was drawn to included or accommodated space for or, um, you know, integrated kink in a really significant way. If it wasn't there, I felt like a major part was missing for me. So uh, what about you, Prez? Well, I didn't, I didn't have any, any shame or hiding or guilt um, because I didn't know the things that I was interested in were kinky. I thought everyone was into the same stuff behind closed doors and it's still a revelation to me that that's not the case. I remember first having power exchange fantasies involving rough sex and being physically restrained from around age 11 and I have always been exclusively attracted to dominant personality traits. I say that my number one fetish is submission to my dominant because without that, there's no excitement for me. I can take control, I'm quite capable, but it just doesn't excite me. And life's too short, who wants to just be going through the motions? It wasn't until I stumbled onto FetLife that I realised there was language for the things that I found exciting and that there was community and also a public kink scene. Um, My eyes were the size of plates for months. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you've heard a little bit from us, a little bit about um, our origin stories. Now, let's just hear from our kinky companions about how they first discovered that they were interested in a not-so-vanilla lifestyle. I always say that I was really born kinky. It was... I had power dynamics in my Barbie games as a kid. There were mermaid-themed ones. There were ones with, like, my sister's Monster High dolls. So, there were some... Cleopatra on male Medusa energy going on. I had power exchange fantasies with kids in my class in primary school. So kind of was in my bones, but really realized it when I was about 14, watching way too much porn and thinking, oh shit, I'm going to have to deal with this at some point in my life. I came from like single interest fetish essentially so I had a hypno kink fetish since I was probably like early teens or something and so I started off finding stuff for that online probably about when I was 21 um I started thinking why don't I actually learn how to do this 
And conveniently, a couple of books had come out by someone in the kink community for it that explained how to do it. From that perspective, that really worked for me. But it took probably about four or five years before I got to try things. I found FetLife on 2015. I saw there was some hypno kink groups in like Melbourne and Australia and I'd and so what had happened in those is every couple of months someone be like hey we should do like a munch or a get together and a couple other people go yeah that's a great idea and then as soon as I got to like doing any details dead silence. When I was a teenager I loved being choked so I asked a couple of boyfriends when I was younger to do that and they both kind of they both told their friends and kind of I got made, I guess, a mockery of. <laughs> um, so I kind of packed it away in a nice little suitcase and popped it under the bed um, and had a very long-term vanilla relationship. And once that ended, I stumbled across fat life and everything kind of just made sense. I didn't realise there were kinks or fetishes or anything like that until that moment. Um, I didn't really think about it for a very long time. I sort of did kinky things without like thinking about them being kinky. (laughs) And then it sort of got to a point where I was, uh, actually when I, just before I started playing with my, um, sub, just like basic bondage, you know, cuffs and collar and, um, just to like attach to the bed. So nothing too crazy, nothing like what I use now. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, we just had some like se- sexual experiences with friends where it's just like bodies coming together in a very nice, fun way. <laughs> and then about mid-2016, I finally saw it and went, fuck it. This time, this place, let's go. And one person showed up. However, he knew people in Brisbane who were doing the exact same thing, so he pointed me their way to ask for help on what to do because, you know, obviously anyone else wasn't showing up and they just said shamelessly advertised, which worked. And that's kind of how I got my very first steps into the kink world and then from there it was mostly online stuff while also kind of running hypno-kink munches here for... About a year and a half before they kind of blew up. Um, From there, I just kind of kept showing up to things as much as I could. And it took me probably about a year or so to really start to kind of network enough to know people and actually start doing things. For me, it was like, okay, also I'm an introvert. So it's like, show up, get to know people slowly. And then when you get a bit of rapport with someone, then it starts to come up with doing things. I was very lucky to have found a partner quite young who was also quite kinky. So in our, I guess we kind of thought we were vanilla, (laughs) but inside of that space, we uh, sort of found out that we liked kinky things and sort of played up against that a little bit in our, what we thought was a monogamous relationship. Uh, and then just before COVID, I started writing Smut and then trying to recreate that with him. 
and kind of, yeah, finding out that I probably need more partners to recreate a lot of the smut that I wanted to. Kept writing these stories of things that I had never really experienced. And the more that I wrote, the more I thought, oh, hang on a second. I'd really like to feel that in real life. I've always been really into vampires, like in Buffy and Angel and True Blood. And that sense of like passion and uh, like roughness is something that I really enjoy. Um, it kind of started more as like hickeys and then led to biting and then other forms of like pain and masochism for me. Kind of role playing sort of things where I would be the dominant and he would be the submissive and just kind of mucking around with that. And a number of times I'd written stories that I would send to him and say, hey, do you want to role play this with me? And then the more we sort of started role playing those things, the more I realized that I might need different partners to recreate these things because that wasn't in his kind of wheelhouse. I think I like write the smut from like a point of view perspective. And so, you know, I am already on some level feeling it and enjoying it and... I guess I want to take it to that 3D level. <laughs> so, Prez, what did you hear? Wasn't that amazing? I love the excitement of these people talking. There really are no set age or lifestyle preconditions for people who explore kink, obviously, other than age of consent. Are there, are there Oz? No, not really. It, it seems to feel that um, these origin stories are as individual as the people themselves are and that there's no set ways to really begin this journey. Mm. And we don't always know why we like what we like. Sometimes we just do, but it's definitely not sounding like the stereotype of the trauma-laden kinkster battling the inner demons. Um, like you know, Fifty Shades of Like gray. Fifty Shades, exactly. Yeah. Um, for some people, trauma is a source of their kinks and for some people it is not. Um, Something else I also thought was an interesting theme was stories of overcoming a disappointment or a barrier and having some courage to pursue things further even after maybe being criticised or not immediately connecting with people who shared the interest. Yeah, and and also about people seeking out community, seeking Mm. out others with similar interests and uh, uh, that need to share, that need to share, that need to feel connected, that that uh, need to understand what it is that, um, you know, we heard, we heard around that hypno-kink fetish around trying to find ways to connect even um, if that was challenging particularly to begin with. Yeah, and all of these people decided to take this from their fantasies into the real world, into the, into the 3D level, as Nancy said. Some people, I think, would be happy for it to remain in fantasy and that's that's obviously fine as well. But for those who would like to take it outside of there, there's obviously some steps that you need to take. Um, Don't go giving that away too soon. We, we, we've got a we've got a whole series to get through where we want um, people to hear uh, absolutely. More about that. Um, but I will say I noted there a really important point that was something I picked up early when we came into the community, which is that people's kink play partners are not necessarily their romantic or life partners. Yeah, and navigating that is a, a podcast in itself, I think, at times. Yes, uh, it is. I also don't assume because some people like one activity whether that that means that uh, everybody likes that activity. Not mm. everybody is into 
hypno kink or knife play or, or choking. choking, for example, uh, that that's, you know, that these are happening within consensual situations where a conversation is happening around this is something that I would like to explore and um, there, are, there are parameters around that in terms of negotiation. And um, also don't assume that because somebody enjoys an activity, they enjoy that specific activity with everyone yep. no matter what. That's right. Or even on a particular day, there might be particular days where people are not feeling it. And so um, I think assumption is really what gets people into trouble. It's the thing that really bypasses that consent uh, space. But again, I just want to say, like, I am so impressed and so grateful that they opened up about some of this vulnerable stuff and shared it with us. Absolutely. I'm really feeling that, um, you know, the importance of that trust and understanding, um, we also talked, we're looking at um, there are aspects there that people had to develop some sort of skill to pursue, um, that they were discussing the rapport they had with partners, um, the chemistry to be able to, to start one place and develop from there too, which was really important. Mm. Um, I've got a question to ask that though uh, from uh, what we heard, and that is what makes an interest kinky and what is it that makes it different to what people generally expect um, when they're exploring their sexuality with a partner what what do you think about that press well i know if you look up a definition of kinky it's basically anything that's outside the mainstream and where do we get our ideas about what's mainstream mostly from media I would say, and relationships and sexuality generally follow a really similar narrative. Um, you know, it's usually a heterosexual, monogamous relationship. Um, you know, they'll show kissing on TV, maybe a little bit of, you know, a bit of sex, uh, usually positioned so that you can only show, I think, the woman's breasts because <laughs> that's the only thing you're allowed to show on TV. So the positions are limited and there isn't, conversation around sex or what goes on in the bedroom usually i mean we see a few things now but things that that is kind of the mainstream i know for me it was definitely the cultural expectations and even Mm. the religious expectations that uh played a part in you know what was a you know seen as appropriate behavior or inappropriate behavior so i think what we would agree on is things that are considered kinky or outside of the mainstream are not generally openly discussed and it can take a lot of courage to have a conversation about things that excite us that are vulnerable parts of ourselves or that we've kept private because we're concerned others might critique us for it we see this pushing underground of this stuff as creating potential for manipulation and abuse when things can't be talked about so community is especially valuable because yeah. you can have those conversations and you don't feel like the kinks that you have are so out of the ordinary. Yeah, it, it really is that sense about when things are felt like they can't be talked about that uh, there, there are a whole lot of opportunities there that people can take advantage of that. Last stop. Oz, you know it's now time to share our kinky superhero pictures. Okay, for those who are not aware yet, we both sat down, Prez and I, and we decided to draw our inner kinky superhero. What would that look like? 
So we're going to share a little bit about what uh, we've done. We've gone away, scribbled these down, and we will share them on the social media. Um, so I am lo- now looking at Prez's picture. So Woo! Prez has drawn her in a kinky superhero who sh- she has named She-Ra Subby Princess of Empowered. So uh, as She-Ra, I can see a, I can see a lovely She-Ra crown on uh, a very anatomically correct picture of <laughs> Because Prez. I am a princess. She is a princess. Uh, she has all sorts of descriptions about uh, what she loves around her. She has all sorts of features. The thing that I'm drawn to straight away, and maybe it's a bit the sadist in me, sees the little badge on her um, what is, what is that? The left breast that says, I heart pain. Um, and uh, she's carrying, carrying her stuffy, stuffy friend. So I'm, I'm imagining that there's some little play going on there or some kind of age play. Uh, she has a happy spanking butt in the back that is not featured, but she assures us it's there with hanks of magical rope and her toys and first aid kit and aftercare essentials. Uh, she has lots of books, so I'm assuming that Prez likes to keep up to date on all different matters involving kink and sexuality and how to communicate in this space. Um, she has, I think, the most important feature, which is her magical anticipatory service psychic ability, which I think every service submissive would uh, kill to have. Uh, and lots more features there. You'll be able to see them for yourself when you uh, have a look at these images. Now, I'm having a look at Oz's drawing, which is very advanced compared to mine. My drawing's at the level of about a grade two. Oz actually is quite skilled at drawing. And he has made his kinky superhero the Dark Knight and has crossed out the word dark and written okay with colour. Because if you've met Oz, you would know that he did not read the section of the Dom handbook that said Doms all wear black. He loves colour. Um He's got some funny emojis on his chest showing the many expressions of Oz. The happy, the devil, I'm not sure what the other one is. Maybe you can interpret that when you see his picture. I think it's a devilish smirk. (laughs) He has hurty things, a utility belt, stompy boots, a stylish kilt. And the thing that made me laugh was he's got his boot on the head of what looks like a bound cat woman and it says willing victims and negotiation checklists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, gummy bears because he knows that I need my sugar after we play. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Brez's favourite aftercare treat is the gummy bears. You can have a look at those images. We will post them on our Instagram, which is help I think I'm kinky, all one word. Uh, so feel free to follow us and have a look at our images. You can let us know what you think. We would love to see your inner kinky superhero creations too. So please tag us if you share those or if you would prefer to protect your anonymity but don't mind us seeing it, please DM your image to us on Instagram on our Help I Think I'm Kinky account. And on your podcast player, please follow us so you don't miss an episode and we would much appreciate a glowing review. Thanks so much for joining us on our very first podcast trip. It's okay. I'm not going to play the tram bell one more time in this episode. Uh, Please join us next time where we'll be getting out and exploring kinks in the real world with our kinky companions. And remember, follow your kinky heart. But take your brain with you.